0: Welcome to the Economic Development Matters podcast, brought to you by Edmonton Global, hosted by me, Brianna Morris, and my colleague, Sherry Baslama. Sherry and I work together at Edmonton Global, an economic development agency that represents 14 municipalities that make up the Edmonton metropolitan region. Home to 1.4 million people and generating $105 billion in GDP, our region is Canada's fifth largest economy, and we're just getting started. At Edmonton Global, our purpose is to transform and grow the economy of the Edmonton region. And we do that by attracting foreign direct investment and quality jobs. We also support our local businesses to expand internationally. On this podcast, we talk about economic development matters and why it matters. We discuss how we can best compete in the global marketplace and build a sustainable and prosperous economy to enhance the quality of life for the people in our communities.
1: Our guest today is Searle Turton, MLA for Spruce Grove Stony Plain, which is part of the Edmonton Metropolitan Region. Uh, Cyril, welcome. Thanks for being here.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much for having me out here.
1: I'm going to start actually by asking you about the jersey that you have in your background. Who are you cheering for?
2: Well, that is the hockey jersey of the Spruce Grove Saints, uh, one of the top AJHL teams uh, here in Alberta. I'm, I'm a massive fan and... Uh, They they always have a great season until they reach or or meet those Brooks Bandits down south. So, but uh, we're expecting a good year this year.
1: I like that, championing the local team. That's awesome. So can you start by telling us a little bit about your background, Cyril?
2: Yeah, I mean, so um, a little bit about myself. Like, I grew up in, in small town, Saskatchewan. I moved out to Alberta in the late 90s, out to the Spruce Grove, Stony Plain area. Um you know got into construction i'm a dual ticketed tradesman, so i'm a journeyman carpenter, journeyman scaffolder spent many years uh on various construction sites, oil refineries, pipeline projects. um Then I got into technology sales in my mid thirties around that time. I decided to get involved with municipal government so i in two thousand and ten, I decided to put my name in the hat for running for Spruce Grove City Council and was successful. So I have served three terms on Spruce Grove City Council and on every committee, mostly economic development and uh, did a long time as deputy mayor as well. And then in 2019, I decided I want to put my name forward in for provincial politics. And so I put my hat in the ring and that level of government was successful and, and have been serving as an MLA for Spruce Grove and Stony Plain for about the last uh, three and a half years. Yeah, ma- married and two kids, obviously, as well. Those are the important ones. So, my yeah
1: very
3: nice. That's wonderful. So, and congratulations on your success. So can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, the differences going from municipal office to the provincial level of politics?
2: Yeah. So I would say if, if someone had told me at the start of my provincial term, they said, Cyril, you don't really know Spruce Grove and Stony Plain. I, I legitimately would have been insulted. I mean, this is the area I graduated from high school with. I've been living here working here, served on volunteer boards and committees, but I I have to admit, um, after about six months being in this position, truly seeing different sides of the community that I have never really been exposed to. I mean, logically, I knew that there were people that um, needed help and assistance, and I did my best to support them, but as an MLA, I have people literally coming into my office needing help with H applications, PDD forms, and really seeing the gaps in the system on a provincial level when it comes to service delivery on how our residents uh, need help. And so I I truly was humbled after about the first couple months, just realizing that there are whole sides of the community that I needed to be brought up to speed on. And so that's been an interesting experience, just getting to know um, uh, about new programs that, you know, I kind of get um, that, that so many residents in my area require. I guess also the biggest difference between the two levels of government is that I didn't realize on the municipal level, how much we actually talked about capital. On the municipal level, it's all about new roads, new arenas, new splash parks, which was actually a key reason why I decided to run 2010. And on the provincial level, it's all about those soft services that residents require. It's about things like curriculum. It's about um, soft social supports. It's it's a totally different side of the economic spectrum that you kind of have to deal with. And so that was a little interesting. You know, it's it's a, I don't want to say it's an afterthought about a large, you know, infrastructure build or road, but the maintenance costs, the long-term um uh, repercussions of of wages, for example, and how that all ties in, that is an interesting kind of conversation and much more complex than just simply dealing with bricks, mortar, you know sidewalks, hard infrastructure which with which is what most municipal councillors deal with. So that's been interesting, a new experience and and obviously one I was pretty excited to tackle.
1: And what actually made you make the decision to make the leap from municipal to provincial politics?
2: So when I was running in 2010 and 13 the conversations at the doors and I'm and I'm one of those uh, I guess old school guys I actually like visiting doors like ringing doorbells talking to residents and getting those that vast array of ideas and in 2010 and 13 the questions I was always receiving were about hey we need this splash park or this road has to be repaired it was all about the infrastructure questions but when I was door knocking in 2017 for my third term the, the questions were completely different. It was the the conversations at the doors were always about, Cyril, oh, yeah, the roads are important, but my husband just lost her job out at the power plants so out west. What are you going to do about it? Or business owners saying that they needed additional support uh, to be able to help them and or, or issues about the curriculum at the time. And so there was all these issues that people at the doors kept talking to me about. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm actually here for municipal. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but but then all the questions and the concerns of the community were all provincial in nature, and that's when I really realized that our area was hurting. They wanted a different voice at that time, and so after a lot of thought, uh, in the middle of my third term, I decided to put my name forward and run provincially, and and uh, really to address those concerns by from many of the residents that call this area home. So.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So when you talk economic development, because that's been a lot of your role, um, wh- where is it different? I get where is economic development different at the municipal or the provincial
2: level? So really, so on the municipal level, when it comes about economic development, it really comes down again to those tangible assets. It comes down to land use planning, permits, um, permit, uh, you know, um, how fast you can run through in terms of of app- of uh, uh, permit application processing. Um, that, that's kind of the, the biggest tools that the municipal government has. When you're talking about on the provincial side, you're talking about policy and legislative changes that make um, this area or that area or the province a better place for economic growth, such as taxation rates. You're talking about access to skilled workforces. You're talking about the ability to do things like um, targeted investment credits. Like for example, the film and tax credit that our government put in place this terminal well, now we're going through a massive boom with uh, in the film and, and movie industry here in the province we mm-hmm. never would have had those types of even uh taxation powers or or financial ability to offer those types of incentives on a municipal level i mean the best at the municipal level they could have done is say well maybe we'll change some land use issues or or maybe close a street. Um, with, you know, so that you can shoot a movie. So it, it's a, it's definitely a different conversation. And uh, I'm very appreciative that uh, former Premier Kenny and former uh, Minister Schweitzer uh, acknowledged my experience when it comes to economic development in Spruce Grove. And that's why they um, had me as the chair of the EMRER committee, uh, which is really, again, looking at economic development here within Edmonton and how um, the province can put in new policies or, or even legislative pieces that will, benefit the city of Edmonton and really allow us to be that hub for economic activity moving forward.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about that. So the Edmonton Metropolitan Region Economic Recovery Working Group, a little bit of a mouthful, I think you had an acronym for it. (laughs) Um, So you chaired that, and I believe uh, Edmonton Global's CEO Malcolm was the vice chair uh, or vice co-chair or something something along those lines. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about why that was launched and, and when it was launched?
2: Yeah, so it was really talked about uh, in the spring and it was launched then and uh, very thankful for Malcolm's involvement and there's my vice chair, along with Lisa Veroldi, um, Who's my my second vice chair and this committee, I believe it's about 24 um, community members all in the Edmonton area and really the focus of this report is to highlight those areas that the province can um, can investigate that will that if they move forward will disproportionately affect and benefit Edmonton. There's a number of reports uh, that come out that provide sound economic policy for a province, but you know this report, which is really based upon the core report that was put out in Calgary, the, the EMRER committee report really has to deal with what are the economic advantages that Edmonton has, or sorry, the capital region has, and how can the province put fuel on those fires that would really, again, benefit Edmonton. Uh, specifically. So on a high level, and the report isn't public yet, but on a high level, some of those areas would be, for example, um, opportunities for First Nations and Indigenous involvement in businesses and really kind of fostering that entrepreneurship amongst those communities, Um, hydrogen, natural resources. Uh, Edmonton already is a hub for many um, uh, mines, minerals and and, uh, uh, mineralogy programs at the U of A, for example, and really just again, highlighting some of the uh, economic drivers that come out of our post-secondary institutions here and and there are some real nuggets in that report. I'm, I'm looking forward to when it's released. I know the minister is going through it right now and we're going to have that final debrief um, with the committee as well so that they'll have a firsthand opportunity to tell Minister Jean about some of the findings in that report. And I really think it's going to provide a good focus For the government to make sure that when it comes to the province benefiting economically that there are plans and policies put in place that will make sure that the capital region uh, is also looked after and that we could really just highlight those areas that we excel at.
1: Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about the process? So we know Edmonton Global was involved. Our CEO was vice chair. You mentioned Lisa Botralde from the BOMA Building Owners and Managers Association. Who else was part of it? Oh, there I. I other or groups?
2: Yeah, so it's about 24 uh, um, diverse members from the downtown core, from the suburbs, business associations. Uh, so those are the actual set members of the committee. And then the committee received presentations uh, from various groups everyone from the industrial heartland to the downtown business association to the regional chambers of commerce to local associations, uh, business associations, as well as post-secondary networks and and um, and, and uh, colleges and universities from the area. So it's a pretty substantial list of presentations. We spent a lot of time uh, through the spring and summer just meeting with these groups and then obviously compiling all the different nuggets and ideas that many of them uh, compiled and putting them forth into the report that will be made public here shortly. And
1: we're looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, very Uh, exciting. uh,
2: It's kind of like I have this Christmas present and I know what's inside (laughs) of it. And I just want the world to see so that we can actually start going. So um, yes, I'm very anxious to see the report made public.
0: Absolutely. So as mentioned, uh, you have two trades tickets. uh, And something that we've noticed at Edmonton Global is um, right now we're experiencing a bit of a labor shortage. um, And we have a lot of uh, significant capital projects. And you mentioned hydrogen. Um, You know, we're going to need a lot of workers to you know, build out new projects to support hydrogen. What can we do to get more young people considering careers in the trades?
2: So, a great question. And that's why um, the former Premier, Kenny, did put forth the trades task force put forth by a number of trades people in our caucus. I was a member of that committee and we put forth a number of recommendations such as enhanced uh, exposure to the trades in high school. So I know Minister LaGrange has been uh, very upfront about that. Um, Increasing obviously support for RAP programs and pre-apprentice training and just really trying to to highlight to our youth coming up that, you know, you don't necessarily have to go the white collar route, um, you know, through maybe some of the colleges or universities that blue collar trades can provide a fantastic lifestyle. For many individuals that decide to go down the route, just like it did for myself, I paid a lot of mortgage payments for my um, for my family, and and I was uh, had the privilege of working at every industrial construction site in the Edmonton area, everything from Shell scotford all the way down to um, Genesee Power Plant, you know, south of Edmonton. So another key aspect of that is that we also want to um, uh, make it much easier for foreign trained workers to be able to enter the workforce here Uh, there's been a real issue with having um, training certifications uh, not being acknowledged by you know provincial associations here so we really want to break down those barriers as well Um, not just in the trades but also for trained and skilled workers in healthcare and education Uh, nothing worse than hearing a story about someone that is a a doctor or a high-trained worker in, in another country and they come here and they can't actually operate in that in that profession, even though we're just screaming for more individuals to enter. And so those are a couple of the main aspects. Uh the last thing about trades that we want to really do, and I know Minister Nikolaites is really focusing on this, is allowing um it's called parity of esteem, and that allows that individuals with trades tickets like myself or like the other tens of thousands of Albertans when they have a trades ticket that they'll be able to use some of that training and skills um, into maybe perhaps like a business degree or something like that Mm -hmm. it starts creating bridges between trade tickets and trade experiences to other programs of study because we have found that for a lot of trades people entering it provides a fantastic lifestyle but maybe perhaps when you're in your 40s or 50s, maybe you don't want to be um, out on a construction site or something like that. You maybe want to get into owning your own business or maybe into home inspectors. So we want to be able to try to bring that experience there and, and carrying some of the hours, some of the experience over to create an incentive for further areas of education. And that has never really been talked about. In the province before. If you were a journeyman pipe fitter or welder and you wanted to also get into a business program, you'd have to start right back from scratch, which is a little more difficult when you're trying to raise a family or pay for a mortgage. So just creating those easy pathways and bridges so that you can go seamlessly from an on the field construction worker, for example, or in the trades, go into like uh, maybe another type of training. I think those type of pathways and some of the steps that we've taken are going to make some pretty significant steps about getting more people involved in the trades here in the province.
3: Absolutely. That's a really good idea. Do you know, I might be putting you on the spot here, but are there other jurisdictions that are already um, allowing kind of that pathway where it's kind of credit towards like another degree or diploma or would Alberta be, be kind of... Uh, An innovator
2: here? I I think actually Alberta is the top innovator. I know a lot of other provinces are looking at the conversations we're having in terms of how this would go. Uh, Alberta has kind of a unique opportunity as well to to fill this space for the simple reason that we have some large-scale industrial construction that obviously sucks up a lot of manpower uh, in terms of the trades to a much greater extent than perhaps other jurisdictions. Like when you look at the industrial heartland, all the you know, thousands of workers that work up there, as well as like Fort McMurray, um, you know, even with the with large-scale power plants, like we have a, a large base where trades workers typically gravitate to, and so um, it makes Alberta, you know, well-suited and positioned to be able to have these conversations, uh, to be able to provide those pathways, because we have to make sure that, you know, our trades workers um, continue to stay involved economically, that they can be productive, even if, for example, some of the large-scale new construction projects dry up, and so um, I'm excited about these conversations. I know I've talked to many um, labor associations as well; they're very excited about giving those pathways for their trade workers to go. Um, I, I just think overall, it, it's a it's a fantastic program. We still have to obviously iron out a lot of the kinks and 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 kind of figure out what that looks like because obviously. Um, you know, going for a business degree versus you know learning to weld. You have to. How do you bridge that? And and what skills can you take from one to the other? There's also the other added aspect about allowing white collar workers that have gone through uh, programs in like Grant McHugh and NA, for example, to also easily go into the trades. So mm-hmm. there's that aspect. It's we're talking a two way conversation about uh, allowing transferability for skill sets between totally different sectors. And so I think that's also the exciting part that maybe if someone in 18 or 19 got into school, they have a business degree, but they're not really sure where they're gonna go, Also, saying, you know what, maybe we'll give you credit for a couple hundred hours for a first year apprenticeship for a program and they can get into the into the construction industry that way. So I I think that's pretty cool when you talk about those avenues as well. And so, like I said, we have to iron out a lot of the kinks, but I'm pretty excited about those conversations.
1: You're clearly heavily invested in your community. So I just want to ask you talk about, you know, the best things about living and doing business in the Edmonton region. How do you pitch it?
2: Well, I think, you know, the, the most amazing thing about the Capital Region is that we're just not a single monolith of a, a large urban area. We have a vast mosaic of different communities all throughout the Capital Region. We have a, a, a downtown core that is obviously, I, I think, has so much potential, obviously, with the increased development there. We have one of the, you know, some of the largest industrial parks um, that provide uh you know access to land for many businesses both with niscu and adjacent we have the industrial heartland one of the western canada's if not north america's largest areas for um, large-scale industrial growth i mean we're talking about hydrogen roadmaps. i mean in the capital region you have you have it all and, and there's a lot of potential here i think we're just starting to unlock that the the opportunities that You know, that that are present here in this area, and and not only just for the capital region, but when you talk about, you know, the Edmonton area being the the gateway to the north. So, Fortune Minerals is a perfect example uh, about a project in terms of large scale cobalt mine that was in the Northwest Territories. They have their processing plant for those materials right outside of, uh, of Edmonton in Lamont County. I mean, this is. Um, Edmonton is shaping up to uh, really be that gateway point for the Northwest Territories, for uh, Northern Alberta, as well as uh, the Nunavut areas, as well, in terms of all those resources coming down here and being processed. And so that is really going to put Edmonton region on the roadmap when it comes to large scale electrification, battery manufacturing. Um, so it's going to be a pretty rocking place over, you know, in, in the capital region over the next couple decades, and I think we're just starting to unlock that potential. So I'm obviously pretty excited about this area.
3: That's awesome. Thanks, Cyril. That's great. Um, anything else you'd like to mention to listeners?
2: Uh, no, I I have to again just kind of highlight some of the work that the EMRER committee has, has done, especially just the I have the absolute. Huge amount, about most respect for Malcolm and Lisa that have helped me out on that, and I appreciate the work that Edmonton Global has done, really to, um, you know, highlight our region. I, I think sometimes we like to be a little bit humble here in the capital region about some of the projects that we're working on, but I, I really like that confidence that we're coming out like, hey, we're willing to tell the world about what we can do, and the world is paying attention. So uh, I've always been a capital region guy. And, you know, I'm obviously uh, a huge proponent of of boosting this region and uh, obviously appreciate the opportunity to come out here on the show here and chat with you a little bit.
1: was really interesting and his excitement about the future potential here really shone through
3: absolutely i you know what i should have asked him now that he's done you know municipal provincial i should have asked him if he'd go federal (laughs) and then we could learn the differences uh in terms of economic development at the federal level um what i liked uh uh was kind of the discussion around um trades tickets feeding into diplomas or degrees and vice versa i think that was um yeah, that was that was a new uh, insight for me. Yeah, uh, And I'd like to look more into that.
1: I think jurisdictions around the world are kind of grappling with those issues because talent really is a global issue right now. That's one of the biggest challenges that our businesses are facing is finding good quality talent.
3: Yeah, so the micro-credentials the work-integrated learning and, and yeah, how do you validate ex- the, the skills people get from experience, like how do you certify that? Um, and we talked a little bit about that with Janet Lee as well, I think. And um, yeah, very interesting.
1: That's a wrap for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Economic Development Matters podcast, brought to you by Edmonton Global. For more information about Edmonton Global or to get in touch, visit our website at edmontonglobal.ca. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast platform, so you'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. We hope you learned something new today about Economic Development Matters, and why it matters until next time we're your hosts sherry and brianna signing off